Welcome to the Mission Guys podcast, where we talk about anything related to leading transformation in the church. I'm Nick Jorgensen. And I'm Rick Pop. We're missionaries at Acts 29. And as always, it's our hope that we can help you as church leaders, as leadership teams, as leaders of families, and leadership practitioners to more effectively mobilize the church to achieve her mission. Today's topic is why leadership tools, management tools, don't work in the church. And we're assuming that this title has captured your attention because this topic tends to have a lot of passion, a lot of debate, a lot of energy in the church, especially right now. So Rick, brother, open us in prayer to kick this off. Gladly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you, we adore you, we thank you for all of our blessings. Thank you in a special way for leaders in the church, those listening today, those throughout the world that are fulfilling your mission. We invite you, Lord, into our conversation today. We invite you into the hearts and the minds of those listening. We ask you to help them to relax, to sit back, to be docile to whatever you have for them today. Please be with us today, Lord, so that we may be able to do your will. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as we do our work with bishops and priests, leadership teams all across the country, um, we're often working with people who are well-schooled in theology, sometimes the world of business and leadership, leadership tools, ecclesiology and church structures and authority, uh, and lay people and clergy in their roles. And yet with all this expertise and knowledge, especially knowledge, there's a difficulty uh, just applying all of this to leading the church day in and day out. And it's not infrequent, mm-hmm. Nick, as you know, that we run into some extreme views. On one end, we've got not just a few people who have been quite successful in the business world uh, or in 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 their home, their family, and they look at the church and they and they simply say, "All we need to do is apply what I did in business, or apply what I'm doing." In my in my life, uh, maybe it's a a Jim Collins book, a Dale Carnegie class, Pat Lencioni material, and and really it's this view that all we need to do is apply these same tools, these methodologies, you know, my experience to the church, and everything will be humming along beautifully. And I won't <laughs> even suggest that I wasn't one of those guys. Okay, so let's just put that right there. I'm not admitting to it, but. Uh, you know, <laughs> I could be. And then on the other hand, you've got people in church leadership who hear or see things that come and go. They see that that management tool didn't seem to work and that one seemed to waste our time. And people come in and think they have all the answers and they didn't. And so now they get to the other extreme. They're anti-tool, anti-business, anti-leadership theory. They're searching for something else, though, because because they know that something needs to be done to be even better as leaders, or, or some of them maybe just give up, or others might be just saying, I'm just re- relying on pure grace. If I just get holy enough, this will all work. And all right, so maybe I was one of these uh, on the first end there, Nick, that you know, I've, I've done, as you know, I've, I've worked in the leadership 
training world, the human resources world, my whole professional career, 30 years. And when I first started getting very involved in the church, I, I really just said, all we need to do is this. These are the answers. And 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 yet I, I, I recognize now that that was not the way to go. And so this was some of the impetus to for us saying, hey, this is a great topic for us to dig into. And it's not unfamiliar territory. You know, at X29, on multiple occasions now, we've had conversations with priests and been accused by other people of being like, Dale Carnegie applied to the church. That was a direct quote at one point. And we laughed because it was, it was just this whole moment of, man, you missed the whole point. You, you experienced this long retreat with us. And we, we, we spent most of our time in a biblical vision of the world. We spent a lot of time talking about how to pray and a little bit of time talking about how to lead from some of these, some of these tools. And then this mindset of, well, let's just Dale Carnegie applied to the church. It's like, no, no, no. It's an integrated reality. And so this episode, we're going to kick off a series here, two or three episodes in a row, kind of a mini series, where we hope that we can help you recognize and learn this integrated view that's got a healthy ecclesiology as its foundation, right? The study of the church, this, this, the nature of the church and who she is and her identity and how she functions. Take that combined with these leadership tools so that you can be equipped as leaders to be further mobilized to lead mission. And I think that then leads us into that, that broader context of leadership in the church that we've touched on in several of our podcast episodes and what we call in Acts 29, we refer to the three essential principles for transformation in the church. And as we focus on leadership, it's transformation of leadership. And as a kind of a quick reminder, that first essential principle is reacquiring a biblical worldview. And as, as Nick just mentioned, that, you know, that these leadership tools have foundations in the Bible. And, and, and having a biblical perspective on whether it's these tools or even at a broader sense, it's the mission. So if there's not a clarity of the mission, if there's not clarity of the mission, and that mission makes sense from a biblical perspective in your parish, in your diocese, in your apostolate, your family, then no tool works. So it starts with that biblical worldview. Secondly, and, and really what we talk about almost always in the podcast, that second, second essential principle is that it's not enough to be a staff. And all that we spend our time on work focused mostly in the second essential principle, but it has to operate with all three. It can't be one by itself. And that's where people we think get in trouble. They look at a tool without the broader context. So biblical worldview. So we say it's not enough to be a staff. It's not even enough to be a team. The second essential principle says that we need to be a family on mission. So the clarity of that mission is critical. And then thirdly, the third essential principle is prayerfully discerning God's plan. God has the plan. It's ours to pray and understand, understand the Lord's plan. Part of that prayer is also recognizing that Satan also has a plan. The evil one has a plan. And so as we get into these tools and we get into this mini-series, let's be real clear. The one essential tool is that every church leader prays. If every church leader was good at managing meetings but didn't pray, we're not making any progress. If every church leader was great at organization design but didn't pray and discern God's plan, we're not going to make any progress. So let, let's fundamentally, it's prayerfully discerning God's plan in prayer as one of the most 
essential tools any leader can have. And on that point, Rick, you just made me think, you know, so if you're, if you're a sort of a practitioner in business trying to help the church, don't assume the people that you're going to work with are praying really well. Like that's a part of this kind of apostolic mode of engagement. You know, we have to, we have to relearn all of this. And so all of it being relearned, all of it being, or deepened, if you're already, you know, well advanced in certain areas, all of us are on the journey to, to increasingly pray, increasingly learn how to lead. And so don't take, don't assume it's like, Oh, father's got it all together. I'll just throw him in the effective meeting guide and bam, it's fixed. It's like, no, no, no. Father might need some encouragement and help kind of getting renewed himself in the process of trying to engage on some of those things. So, And for those of you who maybe just are listening to this episode and didn't hear one of the earlier episodes, if you want to dig deep more deeply into those three essential principles, we've got a mini series early in the first couple episodes that we have and, and a real good one we believe on prayerfully discerning God's plan as a leadership team. And so as a basis for using any tools or theories or methods from the world of business, we have to understand the very identity of the church, that is who she is, and we have to understand our identity as sons and daughters of God. Be really clear, this is going to be a, a sort of simplistic, cursory level understanding, but I just want to enter that thought world for a moment here. These aren't just simply ideas outside of us, like, oh, I'm a son, or, a son of God, or I'm a daughter of God. It's like, no, this, that's a reality, and if it only feels like an idea when you hear it, that might be a sign that you have not yet experienced that deeply in your own heart, your actual being to where when you say it, you're like, that, that is who I am. That, that is exactly who I am. And I have a connection to my father in heaven. When I talk about the church being a living organism and these kinds of things, that's not just an idea or a concept, that's a reality. And so these are mysteries that we have to begin to understand, begin to really experience in order to actually apply great leadership tools to the church and in the church and the work of the church. So let me just break this open for a second. The church is the body of Christ that he established that continues the work of sanctifying the world. So Jesus dies and rises again, and he sends the Holy Spirit to fill his disciples. He establishes the authority of the church through Peter and the apostles. And the church is born, and this church now continues his mission, the mission to bring in the whole world back into order as God designed it from the very beginning, back in the garden before the fall, to bring every soul to come to know and love Jesus. So this is our this is the mission of the church. So we as baptized Christians, we live this out every day from the mundane things like doing laundry and dishes and uh, for me, wiping little kids' bums, you know, <laughs> to the really fun, exhilarating things. You know, maybe it's your job or your work or something you do in the parish or in your family life, right? So within this kind of idea, this, this, this concept that's a reality, the church also has a hierarchy, right? So it's established by God through the bishops and the apostles, and it leads us to discern, the church herself leads us to discern the movement of the Holy Spirit to execute God's designed plan for humanity in our age. I mean, this is why we the church's teachings, to keep us on the path, to keep us free as disciples, to give us the sacraments, right? The seven sacraments of the church to bring grace, sanctifying grace into the world. Again, this is a simplistic view, but I just want to say this because this idea that the church is a living organism is not a business, though there's elements of business in a parish at times in America, is not a business. And so these bishops and priests in union with the Pope they're fathers. They're fathers to God's people, which means when I look at father, I'm talking about helping him grow as a leader. He's not 
CEO, but we call him father. Think about the father of a family. The CEO has elements of fatherhood in him or her in terms of leading, but leading is a participation in God's fatherhood, not the other way around. So if you think about a bishop or a priest, when I approach them and talk about tools and bringing things to parish or diocese or just teams within teams, it's about understanding the hierarchy, who these men are that have been called to lead, their unique role and gift as father, and from that place now, helping build them up as leaders. Because fatherhood is generative always. And so to have those concepts in mind, it shifts how we see some of these tools. And then maybe uh, just lastly here, all of this lands in this uber practical mindset we all carry within us as sons and daughters of God. So again, that's not an idea, it's a reality. And so it's from this place that we eliminate functional sort of tactical or merely effective mindsets to be, quote, more productive members of society and enter into this thought that, man, if you're a son or daughter of God, and I'm trying to lead you on my team, or my team's trying to lead our parents to a place or uh, like a place of, in terms of mission, it's not about you being productive or you being better at tactics. It's about you discovering who you are, God's unique gifts and mission and call on your life. And then from there, entering into the mission in whatever sphere of influence you have. And so our role using these tools is to help you do that and is rooted in your identity. So I hope I hope I'm given a taste here of just like there's there's so much more than the church is like a business, bishops like a CEO. Those, those analogies break down very quickly. And if we can get to the heart of the matter, we're gonna have a really high chance of success to use the tools really well to help the church be mobilized for mission. Yeah, I'm glad you took the time to do that, Nick, because um, we do run into the, that. And I think that's what kind of builds those extremes I described earlier that, you know, that if, if, if some are worried that, oh, you're just doing this as a business, then I'm not listening to anything. And on the flip side, if you say that um, it's, it, has, it's, it has nothing to do with effective leadership or leading a group of people. And so, you know, it, it, neither are in the right spot. But it, it's this context. It's understanding what the church really is. And, and, and there, you know, we could we have bishops that listen to us. We have priests and some might look at it and say, well, why, why are we listening to these guys go through the basics? Because we just want to highlight for everybody in that whole spectrum that it is different than a business organization. And yet there are some clearly some similarities that if, if managed the right way, which is why we think this mini series will help, that if, if viewed in the right context, you can take your leadership even further. And maybe just one example, Rick, that kind of flows from what you said earlier, too, is, you know, it's not business plus, plus clergy equals church success. It's, you know, this, this, this kind of organic movement of the spirit. Another example would be if all the priests and bishops got MBA degrees in church management, all these problems wouldn't get fixed. It's not, you know, the strategy and structure is not going to fix all the problems. It's, it's, it's about identity and conversion and transformation. Great. So, let, okay. So now with, with that as a big contextual discussion, or at least laying some things out, let's get quite specific, Nick, on a couple of uh, biblical references that we've identified. And there are many, 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 we know that. And, and yet we, we want to do this for a reason, because if you'll read a lot of leadership material today, which we do. And if you use tools in, in, in uh, facilitating leadership sessions, strategic planning, organization development, uh, team health uh, sessions, which we do, um, 
we want to just kind of just highlight and be very specific about the biblical foundation of some of the tools that we use and have seen very effectively used. And we've also seen very poorly used that actually backfire. But let's start with one that we've used in the past uh, with some of our listeners. But in, um, in Exodus 18, we have, we have Moses that basically is killing himself, leading all of the people, all of the Israelites. And as he's wearing himself down, his father-in-law comes to him and, and, ba- and basically says, you're, you, well, he didn't call him an idiot, but that was the interpretation. <laughs> if it's in Hebrew or if you read it in whichever, <laughs> yeah. he, he did say, or at least in this translation, what you are doing is not wise. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you. The task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. And then goes further to advise. This is leadership consulting from the father-in-law that was <laughs> thousands and thousands of years ago. And how many of you as leaders are taking on too much yourself right now? Probably most. How many of you as leaders are reading books and listening to podcasts where they are telling you how to delegate, how to prioritize? how to get out on top of your schedule, and so on. And this was exactly what Jethro was telling Moses so many, so many years ago. And it's in the Bible for a reason. It's just not by chance that, oh, let's throw this one in there. We believe it's inspired by God. This is direction from the Lord that says, hey, delegate, tap into those people, be it 70 or be it whatever number works for you, but get out and delegate properly. So that's that's one. And then there's limitless number of examples and interpretations of those examples around Jesus and his me- his methods and the way he led the disciples, and the way he set up the church. But we're only going to focus on two right now in this particular episode. Matthew 20, Jesus is talking about the authority. So this is right after James and John's, right after James and John, through their mother, asked to sit at the right hand and left hand of Jesus. We have two asking for the highest places of authority in Jesus' kingdom. And the other <laughs> disciples are like, what? You can't ask for that. And so Jesus calls them together, and this is what he says. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So think about this. Jesus, I mean, this is this is weighty. Every leadership style in this age is about feeling the authority of the leader. So it's it's heavy burdened. It's heavy burdened. And this concept of servant leadership we talk about today, right here, it's like this is real authority, real leadership to serve, to count yourself as less than. And Jim Collins, in his book, Good to Great, which is a fantastic book, at level five leadership, it's all about servant leadership. This is a right-on concept. But like Collins might have popularized it today, but this has been around for thousands of years. You know, <laughs> So this is just an example of a tool rooted in scripture that has a modern take, but is only helpful because it's a biblical truth from the very beginning. Let me take another one, Nick. So in, in John chapter 13, 
And this is, this is where Jesus is at peak stress. As a leader, you think about it. He knows what his mission is. He knows what's going to happen to him. He's getting ready to enter into his passion. Hmm. And he takes the time to wash the feet of his followers. And just sit there and listen as a leader, especially those of you who are most stressed right now. And Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And so again, this type of leadership that seems so progressive, that more and more gets people saying, it's almost like it's, wow, that's how a leader should be. They shouldn't lord over their power. They shouldn't be command and control, micromanaging. They need to give of themselves. And Jesus gave all of himself. And then we have a couple from the writings of St. Paul, so the Holy Spirit speaking through St. Paul. Romans 12, 2 through uh, six, and this is this is common and commonly known to many of us. But just just take it in anew. Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I bid everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith which God has assigned him. For as in one body we have many members, and, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Paul goes on to list some of those gifts right there. But here again, you know, talking about concepts of team, concepts of, um, you know, working together, you know, no one has a, a, a bit role to play. Here's the spirit speaking through Paul telling us everyone's important. Everybody has a unique mission and they fit together in the mystical body of Christ that is his church. We're literally a living organism knit, knit together in the spirit and each of us has a unique role. So no one is less than. Let me throw one last one here. So imagine you're back uh, St. Paul and he hires a leadership consulting. So Deloitte comes in and then Bain and company come in, McKenzie, <laughs> you come in. And, and, and so he takes from their advice and writes to the Philippians and tells them how to lead. And he says in Philippians 2, do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So again, today it appears novel or groundbreaking to, as a leader to, to shun the temptation. It's almost viewed as heroic and odd to shun the temptation to lead with hubris and power and control and, and all the glory and instead be a servant leader when there's really no other kind of great leader. And it all comes from the biblical teaching 
thousands of years ago, before Jesus, at Jesus as the ultimate role model, and then in all of his teachings, and then following with the power of the Holy Spirit, what uh, St. Paul and others have shared with all of us. Now, let's acknowledge there's other approaches and philosophies to leadership that do exist. Machiavelli, the Machiavellian approach that, you know, politics and morals have no connection. You do what it takes to get ahead, to get power. You know, you look at power politics today. It's not leadership. It's divisive. It's not leadership. It's all about power and control. Yeah, I mean, the U.S. government, right? Here we are in America. We have all these concepts about government. And uh, most of us are just sitting here cheering for the other political party to get out of office so we can get our guy in there. And we treat the other party as the enemy. And they're not. And so it's really important that we don't think about democracy as the way the church should run either. You know, we can't let this political views we've grown up with or have studied or thought about go to apply to the church because democracy never will lead the church. When when the majority thinks a certain way, that's not how the church is going to be led. And so it's just important that we think about that. It's not about you and me and our ideas. It's about us together as disciples saying, God, what's your will? What's your plan? Let's forget sort of this democratic style. Yeah, it's simply not the leadership that Jesus taught us for the church that he established. So as we get ready for this mission challenge, we just want to say kind of next in this little mini series here is we're going to cover some really practical tools, methods, and ideas that we've seen work in the church in this integrated fashion to help mobilize her for mission. Great. And we do have some favorites. So here's the mission challenge for this one. So this is this is uh, kind of setting up the, the mission challenges to come. It starts with, there's three parts. First is a mindset check-in, all right? A mindset check-in, each of you as leaders. Just where are you? Check yourself, where am I? Am I on that one extreme where I'm averse to leadership tools? Do I view them, they're too secular, I've seen enough, they don't work in the church, and so on? Or are you in the other end where you're overly reliant on the tool? You know, your faith is placed in the tool and not in the Lord's plan, not based on player, or prayer, not, not based on following what the Lord has. So wherever you are, on either of those extremes or somewhere in the middle, if you need to renew the mindset, to start fresh, to look holistically, take the time to think, and then pray through where you are and where the Lord wants you to be with your receptivity, your docility, to perhaps even getting stronger as leaders. Okay, that's number one. Number two, for any tools, any approaches, any methodologies that you are using now or that you're considering, make an explicit connection of those tools and approaches and methodologies to their biblical roots. Allow it to happen and ensure that your use of those leadership or organizational tools are firmly based in the identity of the church and the identity of a disciple, and that you're using prayer to, to discern that connection. So that was number two, make those explicit connections. And then lastly, adjust as required. Make the tool, make the approach, make the mindset, the methodology, fit your unique mission as directed through prayer. And that may include getting rid of certain practices that no longer make sense from a biblical perspective. 
All right, let's activate this challenge, Rick. Thank you, brother. For the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, you are the one that does the hard work. And you just show us what the Father is doing. So right now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to flood every listener. Flood them with grace, with power, with peace. And renew their hearts and minds to think anew about who they are as disciples, who the church is, and about how you're calling them to lead. And send them tools, equip them to do it even better than they are today. So that the mission of the church can flourish. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Help everyone do the hard work in their mind to be renewed, to hear you well, and to be bold as leaders. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Well, that's it for episode 17. Go and use the tools that God has given you.